0: Welcome along to the Make Life Work podcast with me, Side Jobling. I'm a software engineering manager, father of two, and in any spare time, I try to work on a variety of side projects, including communities and podcasts. Based on all this, I like to share my thoughts and experiences with fellow people from around tech about how we all try to find a balance for day jobs, life, and any side projects. For the seventh season of the podcast, we're continuing the project-specific format from season six by diving into their projects We hope to uncover some of the tips and tricks everyone uses to make them happen so you lovely listeners can learn from our experiences to complete your own side hustles. This week I've invited along Shari Mahima. Shari is a freelance brand strategist from the Democratic Republic of Congo, now living in London, UK. I've known Shari for about a year or so now through our On The Side Slack community where she's been sharing her journey from graphic design to brand strategy, along with all those challenges life has thrown her away. She joined us for a panel discussion in season five with Sam and Mike, but I was really keen to have a full conversation with her, especially after she shared her new Skillshare course about branding and photography. This is Making of Strategic Photography with Shari Mahima. So, welcome along, Shari Mahima.
1: Well, hi, Sai, how are you? Thank you for having me again.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. It's wonderful to have you back on the podcast. Actually, you've had your uh, five seconds of fame previously, I think. <laughs>
1: very short. It was. Um, it was a very interesting conversation that we've had with um, who was there with us, Mike and and I think it was uh, Sam.
0: Mike and Sam. Yep, yeah, that was yeah, back on the uh, series five where we tried a different format.
1: Yeah. Well. I've got my my moment of fame, like my solo now.
0: Doing solo, baby. We've got you ready. And now you're doing the proper <laughs> version. Yes. This is gonna be good. So no, thanks for joining me. It's great to have you on board. Um as we start the new season seven, as it were, getting back into project focus a little bit more. But obviously I want to talk a bit, a bit more about how you fit this around your life and your job and everything else going on. So um, let's dive in first into your journey so far as an entrepreneur in your world. How did you get to this position? And can you tell us a bit about, you know, some of the challenges you might have had along the way as well?
1: Oh, yes, of course. So um, my journey started, uh, I guess that it's, it's a little bit the same for a bit uh, everybody, right? We always start with, I had have, have lost my job. You start with losing something, yes, woo. (laughs) So I was made redundant in 2019. I was working um, as a communication officer, and um, the company had kind of financial issues, and they had to let me go. And um, I had gone through, you know, a bit of a turmoil when it came to my professional uh, circumstances in my career. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I wanted a bit more creativity, and I was just like, I'm going to go solo, I don't want to work with anybody else. But also because you kind of lose confidence in yourself when it comes to working with another company. So I took a lot of uh, online courses. I went on Skillshare. I went on to following a lot of graphic designers that I could find on YouTube, Uh, buying books. I bought many, many, many books because I wanted to to be good and wanted to be the best. I had never had any experience on that and I had to learn how to work as a freelancer, managing your money and just the business side of things. What I did is like I took a course, kind of business course, a six weeks business course uh, with a company called Urban MBA, um, where they teach uh, entrepreneurs from the black and Asian community how to work for themselves. I was part of that group. I was homeless at the time. So, you know, I was like really, really focused on getting my life together, if that makes sense. Yeah. What happened is the first jobs that I had were not very high-paying clients. It was a lot of challenges. Um, you have when it comes to creativity, not many people understand the value of design, you not know, many people understand the that when you have to create a video, when you have to write, when you have to create a poster, it takes time. Uh, And there is research and a huge and long process behind it. It's strategic because when a client comes to you, they have goals that they want to achieve, even if they're not aware of it. And it's just not about making it pretty, it's about making it efficient and communicating a message. Um, So I had to, I felt like I was always arguing with the clients to make them understand that it's not about what you like, it's about how you're going to get the logo, achieve a business purpose, and make it work for you and talk to your clients. And many of them didn't want to answer the questions, they want to go through the discovery session, they want to go through uh, giving me a creative brief, they were like, I just want a logo. So I, I guess that um, this has probably been the biggest challenge I have faced because uh, along with pricing, when I come and get an £80 logo and I have five revisions behind it and I have to pay bills in London, it doesn't work out. It does not work out at all. So when I started increasing my prices, I had a lot of people not understanding, not wanting to work with me anymore. And, um, yeah, I kind of started working exclusively with clients in Switzerland. Right. Um, I had two main clients, one agency that was uh, kind of literally hiring me as a freelancer. But on the other side, I was working as a like small business owner, like kind of a design agency with uh, a company um, over there as well in Geneva. The money was coming in. It was interesting. I made mistakes, of course, because you have to learn everything just as you go. Uh, because it's not about being perfect. And that's what is difficult when you become an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter how many books you read. It doesn't matter how many podcasts you listen to. It doesn't matter how many certification you get. Because I've paid a lot of money in the past two years when it came to training, books, courses around the same subject because I want to be an expert. I want to be good at what I do. Nothing, nothing, nothing replaces experience and practice. You have to do. You have to get your heads on the job. You have to to realize that okay, it's not perfect. It's okay. Just do something and get it perfect later. In January this year, I decided that uh, graphic design. Uh, I wanted to do brand strategy. I was interested and I saw a lot of people in the community who were uh certified uh level C certified. Level C is the um training um created and f- uh founded by Martin Neumeyer. is right. a best-selling offer when it comes to branding. He's rather well known. He's written books like Zag and The Brand Gap, The Brand Flip. So um I learned from him. About uh, everything that was uh, to know about brand strategy. Nice. And I loved it. So I did level one and two. There's level three coming very soon. And I decided to stop because I was like, you're not going to spend your life going from levels to levels without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd stopped any graphic, uh, graphic design jobs in June. I was just like, I'm done with this now. Let's pivot. I've realized that it was not working for me. I've realized that it was not my strength. And brand strategy goes along my strength and my gift. I'm good at realizing where companies have to deal with problems. So when you pinpoint certain problems, you are often able to kind of recommend uh, your clients how to solve the problems. And it involves having workshops, facilitating the workshops, having conversations with them and just giving them a roadmap on how to achieve their goals. That's something I really want to do. So I've been working on that since June.
0: Fair enough. So that's only two or three months ago now. And you're, you're kind of deep into brand strategy now. Deep dive. Deep dive, baby. Yes. I just want to roll back a little bit to, to a couple of points you mentioned actually. Um obviously when you were in that situation back in January 2019, I think it was. Yes. You were just kind of like, oh crap, what do I do? Um mm-hmm. you had some ideas, obviously, but you were you were really thrown in the deep end just to sort something out, right? But then you took that mind shift to go, I just want to learn some stuff. You know, you obviously went out there, you did some education, you got some books and all the other stuff. How did you get yourself out of that? Really, it's a very risky situation to be in, right? Because it's a fight or flight mode. You know, how did you kind of pull yourself into that mode again? It's all good. I'm going to go off and learn.
1: I'm not going to lie to you. I, I am not sure how, because it wasn't something that I was necessarily conscious. It wasn't a decision that I was really conscious about. It's just that. You are in a situation where you've just been let go. It was the very first time for me. And it took a toll on my, my, my mindset, on my mental health and my confidence. I didn't have a lot, first of sure. all, to begin with. And uh, the narrative that I was telling myself was, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to be working for a company. You're not good enough to be able to be an uh, employee. So try and see if you will be better as an entrepreneur and working by yourself. Um, It was really a matter of, I want to try and see. I've tried working for somebody else. I did not like it. I didn't enjoy it. I faced a lot of challenges and I get bored. I get bored easily. And I was just like, you know what? I think that doing consultancy and being in the creative industry would be more interesting because it's fast. You have different clients who work with different industry, You have different challenges. Let's just go and see something new. It was more of that kind of exp- exploration mindset. I want to see what's happening somewhere else. Like there must be somewhere else than what I've known until now. Let me see what it is.
0: Fair play. No, I'm glad you took that direction, actually, because I think a lot of people struggle to really kind of focus and try new things. But you obviously got yourself into a good, a better headspace anyway. Um, yes. <laughs> to, to put a direction. You also mentioned that like, you went through this period where you couldn't find right your, your pricing and, you know, you've taken on like £80 logos, for example. But then you managed to yes. get some Swiss clients. I mean, that's a pretty big jump in that short time frame. How did you approach that?
1: Um, I was blessed enough to have one uncle who actually lives in Switzerland. He told nice. me about the different projects that he, he, he was working on. He, he would be good for your podcast too, because they are really like kind of side hustles. Nice. Um, so he has, uh, he does photography on the side. So he has this kind of small photography studio that he has set up in his living room. Um, and he needed help. He needed help for social media guides, and he started from there. I did the social media guidelines for him, and then a uh, logo here and there, and then he started like sending me clients because he needed help. And then uh, the company he works with, uh, works for actually, because it has a full-time job plus the side hustles that right. he works on during the weekends, um, needed designers. And he was just like, you know what? This is an opportunity for you. This is what I recommend. Go for it, create the proposal, see what you can offer, and you see how it goes. I was getting more. I was getting contracts of like four k, five k. um it was more than than what I had here. I was still working at a loss when you consider the amount of time that I spent on there. But it was way more money, and I really, really am grateful for these opportunities. I cannot complain at all. It was a great experience. I loved Mm. it. And um, it's just that he was there to help me. Most people until now have been coming to me and giving me referrals. I have been pretty well surrounded, and I'm absolutely grateful for my community and my my support system.
0: I'm I'm glad that you got that opportunity through someone that you Knew and trusted you as well. It gave mm-hmm. you an opportunity to really kind of step up, obviously. But it, it always comes back to this classic rule of it's not what you know, it's who you know.
1: Exactly, and it's, it's it's also who knows you now. Exactly, I am. Yeah, I'm in circumstances now where it's who knows me because well, I've done, I've tried to do it over a whole lot of things, and then it just doesn't work out because I like that visibility. Yeah, But we'll get to that later. It's fine.
0: Right, it's a good segue, actually. Let's let's go into that mode. Obviously, everyone's got their own interpretations around brand strategy and design processes and stuff like that. Tell me about how you interpret brand strategy and, you know, what, what sort of mindset you're in now.
1: It is, it is so true what you're saying. Uh, and, and now that I know what it is, I tend to be a little bit frustrated because if you go on LinkedIn, you'll see that everybody is a brand strategist. And then when you look at people's website, you realize that they're not brand strategists. They're just strategic designers. Yep. You're graphic designers and you're just using ways to be able to discover clients' problems and you cr- solve the problems creatively through your designs. I am a brand strategist because what I do is that I have conversations with my clients about where they are now, where they want to be, and I help them get there. And then the the I don't want to say the secret, but the key to brand strategy is to help your clients differentiate themselves from the competition. Brand strategy for me, and I learned that from Marino Meyer, is you have to outmaneuver the competition and outmaneuvering the competition is going to lead them to get more clients who are going to become more loyal, who are going to buy more products at a higher price. Yep. So that is, is the purpose of brand strategy. That is what brand strategy brand strategy is. And for me, it's like you have to be, you don't necessarily have to be, but I want people to be disruptive. I want to have that kind of innovation and pioneering kind of mindset. I want my clients to come and be like game changers. I want people to come to me with new ideas and I'm like, let's do this, right? It's not going to be easy, because we know how much the world loves change. <laughs> but it's it's something that, that, that motivates me and that I find particularly exciting.
0: I'm glad you called out the fact that it's also about disrupting rather than following the herd. Exactly. Every company wants to be the next something, right? Mm-hmm. Why be the next? Why not be
1: the new? Exactly. Or just be the only, right? Be the only. Yeah. And and that's exactly what Martin Neumeyer talks about in his books. Like, just make sure that even if it's in a very, very small niche, just make sure that you are the only person doing that. It's not easy and it's not always necessary. But if you can find a way to be the only, like if I can be the only brand strategist in the entire continent, African continent, then why not? I will be so, right? Yeah. But well, yeah.
0: I'm glad you've explained what it is that you see it as. It's, it's not only that, but you also, you're looking for that USP from a client perspective. Why do you mm-hmm. stand out? What is it you're going for? How do you build up that loyal customer base rather than just the one-off? And sure. I, I think one of the better examples is someone like Apple, really, aren't they? Because they always go for the next big thing. Exactly. And they've got a hell of a load of loyal customers that are following <laughs> right. what they do.
1: I promise you, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not a huge fan of Apple. I am not. The no. only product that I, I would buy, like, blindlessly is the iPad. But then I just recently bought an iPhone, and sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, my money. <laughs> <laughs> my money has been wasted in this thing because I find the user experience not intuitive enough. And and I'm frustrated when I use my phone. I'm like, why are you not like just... And it may be, and it may be because I've been always an Android person. My favorite phone that I had was LG, but well, I'm not here to promote them anyway. Another thing that I would like to add when it comes to brand strategy is that um, it's not about the visuals, right? So the visuals if I can give you like a picture of what it is into brand strategy, you have two main pillars and you have the strategic side of it. And then you have the expression of the brand strategy and the strategic, um, that's where lays the positioning and the essence of your brand. And then within the essence, you have whatever is the purpose, the mission, the values, and the vision. And then when it comes to the positioning, this is where you you talk about the audience, the current one and the ideal one. The competitors see where everybody's at and then you find your X factor. What is it that makes you stick out an eighth of an inch? Right? So my mentor, Errol Gerson, always reminds us how you have to stick out an eighth of an inch, making that out of all these other people, just one eighth of an inch, that you uh, stick out of, right, will actually help you just stand out and be different and be more visible. That is the strategy. The expression is where you develop the character of the brand, meaning that you give it, like, uh, that kind of human personality so that you would find ways to relate. No, your customer will find ways to relate to you, and it will attract them easily. Right, So you have the the character, that's where you talk about the messaging, the tone of voice, the kind of story around your brand. And then later on, and this is the last part that you should focus on, that's when you focus on like the the, the presence and the logos, the entire collaterals and the brand identity. That Mm -hmm. is only 10% of what brand strategy is. And that is the thing that you should focus on after doing everything that I've just talked about. And that's where a lot of people don't necessarily stand out because they just don't understand that the logo is not the first thing you should focus on. Even choosing the name comes after the purpose and the differentiation, right? The Mm -hmm. name would come just before the logo, but choosing a name is so, 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 so important. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't understand that.
0: I totally agree with you. I know I've fallen into that trap, especially in my early days as a designer. It was let's let's just create a logo what's the name going to be and then we'll work out the brand after and it was, i think a lot of people fall into that trap and i think from earth yes. the mass market right that's how they interpret brand it's like what does it look like but i'm glad you've explained in your ways especially what it takes to do a good brand structure do you? um and I, I like how you've kind of structured your thoughts right? and you've been doing this for what a year, maybe two tops really you know you've really kind of got your head round this in quite a quick time,
1: yes, literally the brand strategy I've started like in January that's when I started like kind of diving yeah. into it and really understanding it and and now i'm I'm really kind of like I said I'm submerging myself into it because I want to get started in working into it and I don't know how to explain I'm excited by it it's something that really intrigues me and 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 I really want to learn more and be able to do more and be impactful. And once I know more and I'm giving myself a year or two for that to get the industry a little bit, you know, a, a deeper understanding of the industry in itself. I want to be able to kind of find ways to 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 shift the industry into something else. If mm. possible, why not?
0: But you're also enjoying it as you do it. It's not something you feel like you have to do. It's something you found that you're truly passionate about. Yeah exactly so you will only do it because you want to not because you have to exactly it's good to know great to know if you need help with your side project either for inspiration support or just general feedback remember to join our on the side community on slack there are a number of previous guests from the podcast in there including sam hardacre mike street dom hodgson and mark lismore pop on over to on the which will take you straight through to registration And I'll see you in there. We talked a lot about like, you know, your background and the strategy stuff. I think it's time to jump into the project. Um, So you've recently created some Skillshare course based on your learnings as well. Um, Can you tell us about what motivated that and how you sort of started to approach it all?
1: Sure. Um, So I've always wanted to teach. Um, I I know that when I was facing clients in my previous roles, a lot of people saying that I was good at explaining. And I've always had that thing where I wanted to help other people be good or better and improve. Um, Sharing my knowledge, whatever I have, I want to be able to share it with other people. I was not planning on teaching now. I wanted to do it later on after, you know, having that audience and the better visibility, but also more experience. Um, what happened is Skillshare. Uh, when I when I started uh, learning about graphic design, I joined Skillshare, and they uh, because I love photography, and when especially when I travel, I'm a uh, I'm an amateur of photography. I posted a project on a photography course. Um, well, my project is just one photo of a building, of a like weird angle of a building that I've shot when I was in New York in Manhattan, and um, it's one of the most liked uh, photos of all the projects that were posted. So um, for the past two years, um, Skillshare approached me. They approached me and they said that they loved the project and they really wanted uh, me to teach because they thought I would be a good teacher. Obviously, when you have somebody coming to you, you have your ego flattered. And I was like, of course, I'm going to do it but also because I was thinking now that I don't want to do graphic design I want to pivot I need to have a passive income so I wanted to secure the 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 time between the transition right my transitioning time I know and knew it would be quite long and I wanted to be able to have some money coming in regardless of whether or not I had clients to be able to do my research and building my brand at ease and at peace yep now that is what motivated me.
0: Good reason, though. You know, you've got to make a living. And uh, of course. an opportunity comes to you. That It's not like you went out to Skillshare and said, I've got an idea. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we love what you're doing. How about you try this? And yeah. why not? Seize the moment, right?
1: So, yeah, Skillshare has often uh, regularly, they have like a teaching challenge. So it was a teaching challenge. They asked me to apply first, they told me that I was declined, but it was a mistake. I was actually accepted, never saw the email. They give you six weeks to create a course on a topic that you choose. So I chose to create a course. I wanted to mix photography because they came to me after seeing one of my projects that had to deal with a photo. And I wanted to mix that with what I'm doing right now, which is branding. So what I was thinking is I see a lot of people outside who talk about brand strategy, but they teach mainly designers on how to become more strategic thinkers. And I'm like, what about videographers? What about photographers? What about other creatives, right? When it comes to branding and the expression of a brand, designers are not the only people who are at stake here. And a lot of photographers would like to be more strategic when they come to their clients because they want to bring value to you. So I was just like, Why not teach photographers how to improve their storytelling skills and be more strategic in their approach Hmm. and in their process by teaching them how to use brand archetypes in their photography?
0: I mean, it makes sense, right? You've got two separate passions going on here. Branding and brand strategy. Photography, which you clearly enjoy because you travel and you love to take images. Put the two together. I've got something here. But I I love how you kind of turn it into something where you're like, you know what, I need something different. I want to support people as well. I don't just want to do it for the sake of it. It's like, what would people gain from doing this? So actually Mm -hmm. creating that sort of archetype model, you kind of go understand your brand and make that your goal, I guess.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, like I said, like um, a friend of mine made me realize that it was more of a pioneer move because all I was like, I, I, that's just who I am. I'm like, what has been done before? I get bored easily. I don't want to do what everybody else does. What is it that people don't talk about? What is it that people don't show us? What is it that, you know, may, they may be the elephant in the room and that people don't point out at it enough? And I was just like, I think there is a gap here and maybe I could try and fill that gap. Um that's 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 really how and I went out there because I'm like, what is it that is said when people talk about photography and branding? Mm. And a lot of people talk more about how one person can reflect their personality when it comes to personal brand, but not about how commercial photographers or photographers that that make photography for a living mm. can support brands into how to be more human and personable and increase and better improve their storytelling.
0: Sounds good. So you've, you've identified, you know, what you're trying to deliver. You've got an idea of how you, what you want to end with. Can mm-hmm. you tell us about that design and making process you went through to create the course content? Cause I think that's something that everyone underestimates how difficult can be.
1: You, This is like an understatement difficult is a very small (laughs) word the first thing is like if you are a person like me and i know many people deal with imposter syndrome a lot of people deal with fear when it comes into creating content just posting on social media i've seen it in my friends i've 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 dealt with it myself you don't even know how many times i've created one instagram profile deleted it then created one again and deleted it again (laughs) and and you just don't know right um because there is that fear. So the first one is the the mindset of like it's really thinking that I'm doing this, not because I want money, not because I want people to like it, but first of all for myself, knowing that I'm gonna overcome the challenge of me dealing with that imposter syndrome. Right? Um, I'm got I've got knowledge. People came to me. And that's me to do it. That means that I must have something, even a tiny bit, even one single thing that is valuable to share. Mm. Use that, focus on this and do it. The first um, step is obviously overcoming the, mindset, the 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 fear, but also research. You have an idea, try and research. See if there is an interest out there. And I think it's important to... To go uh, talk to people, ask them what they think about your idea. I've done that through LinkedIn. I went on to all the communities that I'm a part of. And I talked to people, say, uh, talking about like what I wanted to do, what they thought about this. And I was trying to, um, I reached out to professional photographers to see if they were interested, if they would be interested in knowing more, what they would like to become. And how they could achieve that so that I could try and see how to, you know, create an idea around this. Um, That is what I did. Another way that you could do it when it comes to the first phase of researching is to maybe grab 10 to 15 people or maybe 20 people. Have a very small workshop where you're going to have an MVC, so a minimum viable course. Right. So you create your course, workshop, one hour, get 10 to 15 people, and then make sure that you get feedback out of this so that people will actually tell you where you need to improve and how. This is the best practice. I've not had the time to do this because as per, as per the challenge, I only had six weeks, actually four, because I was into the challenge very late. I didn't have the time to do it, but I'm going to do it again. That is the, the best practice. After the research part, what you have to do is to create the outline. Mm -hmm. Create an outline of the course. You have to work on the title. The title is extremely important. And to be able to have a, a great title, what one does need to do is to have a title that will reflect the transformation and the gain of the person. The title should say what you should take the course. My initial title was how to become, a, how to use brand archetypes in photography. That was my first title. And then after coming three months after, I was like, the title doesn't really work. It doesn't say anything. Like who cares about brand archetypes? Not many people understand. So changing it to become a strategic photographers, then people will actually be, oh, I want to be better. I want to become strategic. That will help me. That will help my clients. I will be more valuable. Then, because I'm, I've just stated the transformation that's coming after taking the course, the title is like more attractive. If that makes sense. So yeah. Choosing the title, having the outline, um, listing the activities that you could have, because the course needs to be interactive. It's very important, especially if you do it online,
0: indeed. I think we all fall into that trap of boring just watch content, don't really get to practice what you're talking about. Yes, so I don't really remember much of it, to be honest, so you know interactive definitely helps
1: yeah, interactive is 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 key, especially when you consider the attention span of people nowadays,
0: like let's not go there. I've got do. children. it's terrible. <laughs>
1: it is it is very bad it is absolutely bad but yes so um another thing i wanted to share about the outlines um yeah. before the outlines you also need to focus on the learning learning outcomes mm-hmm. if you have 3 to 5 learning outcomes so that you can actually have a class description where people understand why they should take the course and how they're going to become better the transformation that is going to come from there not only from the title but uh, clear details right Yep. And then when you, what you should do is to match the activities and exercises per learning outcome, right? If I come and I say, for example, okay, I'm going to send people outside and, and look around them. What is it going to teach them? It's going to teach them how to see the world differently, mm. how to be able to shift their perspective. That is going to help them create photos that are different or more attractive or whatever. Um, so that, that's what you need to do. Then comes the part where you have to decide how you're going to teach the class. And that's pretty important. Skillshare really has good guidelines when it comes to this because you could either have um, what they call uh, the demonstration. And demonstration means I have the camera where I literally, if I do a cooking class, I will be having the camera set up, the lighting and everything, and I will show you how to make a cake. That's the demonstration part. Certain people are not necessarily comfortable sharing their faces. So what one can do is download Camtasia yep. and then you could create a slide deck, have a presentation, PowerPoint, Keynote, whatever. You create your presentation and then you record yourself going through the slides. Obviously, you have to have a lot of visuals, making sure that you have animations. And I think that's pretty much it. Um, make sure it's concise, not too much text. And then the other one is when you have, well, you show your face, right? You have the camera, show your face, you go for the explanations. Um, the best people, the best teachers are people who are really good when it comes to editing. And then you have obviously the music behind it. And then you have, when you use After Effects, you can have animated slides and animating the text. That's what I wanted to do. However... My my current tech doesn't allow me to do uh, oh. what I wanted to do exactly, so I had to go with the the minimal viable course, and and I think it wasn't too much. Uh, it was it was pretty good work.
0: I had a quick look at the um, the teaser. I think it's it's the first module, is it the first episode? Yes. And I, I noticed it was I think it's PowerPoint first with your vo- voiceover. Yeah. Um, but no camera at this point. Did you bring the camera in no. later on? Yeah.
1: Good. I I don't think I don't think I've ever had the camera. I wanted to, but then uh I was obviously I was extremely stressed and I, I, I wasn't sure I could do it and then it was it was way more work than I had expected. Exactly. It was way more work than I had expected. I'm not gonna lie to you, because when you have the slides, you know to, to you have to kind of do the voiceover. You realize that you I was hearing my bra my, me breathing, right? I'm like <sighs> And I could hear that, and I go, my God. Then you have to edit after that, and then comes the publishing part. The most important part to it is the marketing. Once you're done recording, editing, cleaning everything, the class, publishing, it comes to marketing. Without the marketing, your course will be absolutely useless. And certain people, when it comes to Skillshare only, Skillshare pays you per royalties and they don't, mm. they don't help you when it comes to promotion unless people are already interested, then they will push. But if not, then you get no help. You are on your own. So you need to have an audience, a quite big and large audience on social media to be able to kind of share and, and make sure you have a social proof, a certain credibility so that people can actually come and decide why they will pay your course or, or come and watch it because you're asking them for their time. So mm-hmm. they need to make sure that they trust you enough so that you once they give you that time, they will become and gain something out of this. Yep. So the marketing is key here, absolutely key. There's a lot of work to do around this. And I think if you could um, combine uh, promotion, On paid or organic something that is good to do is maybe have like you talked about teaser Mm. having uh, like a a promotional video or just you know share um, a bit of content around the value that you share in your course and just post that and work around this and, and and then promote the link and promote and promote and promote
0: yep and you've got to love yourself and make sure you put your name out there as exactly. much as possible in that situation. I've no I mean, we spoke to Chris hailman last season and he was he did about a skill share around remote working. And again, mm-hmm. I think they sponsored the production, but then he's got to do all the publicity himself. And I saw one recently with um I can't remember the guy's name, I think it's Marcus, who does a lot of YouTube video with tech. And he's done a Skillshare. So obviously they're gonna go, Hey, you've got a name we wanna support this Mm. because it's a great leverage but for people like us who don't have that audience
1: (laughs) exactly
0: we just kind of go make it ourselves then and use what i've got going back to our point earlier who you know not what you know
1: be careful of the ego i'm not gonna lie the 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 lesson learned in here was for me to assume that because they came to me i i didn't even realize how i was flattered right and them coming to me i i just felt like it would be easy that I wouldn't have to do much after. The, the hard work was publishing, which I did. I hit publish, I was like, yes! And then you look at your first month and you're like, zero dollars. And I'm like, oh my God, what what's happening? I was hoping to get at least two to three hundred pounds every month so that it could help me kind of survive. And I haven't had that. But I'm not ashamed because I'm aware of the mistake that I made. And the mistake that I made was to publish a course knowing I am nobody yet and I have hair quotes to say nobody because I am someone, it's just that, like you just said, I need to love myself, trust myself, and just go out there, right? I would not be perfect. I have to do. That's exactly what I said earlier. You have to go there and just do the work. It's not going to happen by itself.
0: No, but at least you've got that content there now and you can use that as your leverage to start with, right? Mm -hmm. You've got something to work with. Um, and you can only learn, as you just mentioned, he's like, I'm learning from my mistakes. So as long as I address that, like you did a couple of years ago, you know, it's, it's a better place to be in.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um, let's go back to your sort of personal situations, because I think you've had a quite a turmoil of a few years, really. Um, you mentioned you were homeless at one point. Um, And I know you've been having to travel around the globe, you know, seeing families, sorting out your own circumstances. So how you fit this stuff in and, you know, are there any areas where you thought I need to to reassess?
1: I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was saying how um, making decisions, right? I have made a lot of bad decisions and I have blamed myself and beaten myself up for it for a very, very long time until I realized that it was absolutely pointless. All I could do was to learn from my mistakes and readjust. Um, when it comes to being homeless, so what happened is that I had made one bad decision and I decided to live with someone in a place where I wasn't really convinced that I should actually do. I made a move that yeah, I wasn't convinced by. And my guts were telling me, don't do it. And I was just like, Ugh. I listened to people and I was like, it's okay. And I went there. We had a big house in Lewisham. The house was infested by rats. We had, everything was absolutely horrible. We had problems with the water and the plumbery all the time. And we had, you don't know how many times I've had to take a shower out of my house uh, because, oh. you know, and I'm a very extroverted person. I love people. I love my social life. And being in this house with somebody who was, the opposite. I had never lived in a house where people just don't talk to you. I'm African. That's something that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we, we, we talk to one another to the point that I actually want to close myself up in a room and not talk to anybody for days. But it changed me. It made me extremely introverted and afraid. I stopped trusting myself at that point. And in 2019, when I lost my job, it was the it was the hit where i was just like i give up i don't want to try and do anything so when the girl finally decided to move out i was just like this is your this is the light at the tunnel for you shari this is your opportunity it's it's over right it's coming to an end and i couldn't find the strength to find a place to move in i i i i did nothing i was not in the place where i believed I could find somewhere where I'll be good. So I ended up, the day where I had to move out, I still packed and I moved out. I spent two weeks and one friend, two weeks in another friend, and then it started becoming extremely heavy for me. Um, because at the same time I was trying to build my business, I, I was taking my course my, to learn how to run a business. Um, living with other people, um, you feel I was extremely uncomfortable. I was extremely uncomfortable. My people, my friends, were absolutely gracious with me. They were lovely. Mm-hmm. But then I was taking one thing from the fringe. I'm like, oh, don't worry, I'll replace it. And they're like, what are you talking about? Just eat, <laughs> right? Um, but I was like, un... I was extremely uncomfortable. What happened is, I don't like the term homeless because I had somewhere to sleep, and I don't think it's fair to the people who really and truly live outside. I did not have that, but that's that's the term people use in the UK because you don't have a fixed address. Yep. I had the 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 blessing of living with uh, a woman who didn't know me. Um, she was just part of the church. She used to come here and there, and then she heard that you know I didn't have a place to stay. And the deal was I stay at her place, rent free, but all I had was to help with the cleaning. Until today, I'm absolutely grateful for for that woman because. I've been able to stay there for probably three months, I think, or maybe less, I don't remember. But it gave me time to kind of finish my course, to have somewhere to go. I was going to basketball and to kind of try and keep my life back on track, if that makes sense. And I'm a Christian. She was very supportive when it came came to my praying life. That helped me. That really helped me. Then I found a place to live uh, in Finsbury Park, if I remember well. was able to continue going to basketball, well, nice. I was trying to kind of find jobs um, because at the point like getting, gaining $80 for a logo was really not working for me and then going back home for a while mm. I went back home for a month that's when everything I don't know what happened I, I went there it was refreshing I, I was happy and I went there as a tourist that's where I grew up I'm from Congo, Kinshasa I grew up in Kinshasa but then I discovered Kinshasa from the eye of somebody who did not live there and I loved it. I met new people. I made new friends. And as soon as I came back, I think I had to let go. I had let go of certain things, right? I, I learned how to let go. My mindset was already shifting because I had met people who were telling me the truth about myself. And when I came back, I spent three months in the company. After that, that's when I started really gaining my work with people in Switzerland mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So... Does that answer your question? It does. I hope so. No,
0: and it, it's it's a fascinating story to hear as well because it, it, it proves life is tough, yeah. right? And you you demonstrated how difficult things can be, but you also found opportunities to just get through. And even during the touring times, you were like, you know, sofa hopping with friends, which is perfectly acceptable. But I know from your perspective, you're quite proud. You're like, I don't want to be doing <laughs> this but I appreciate everyone giving me that yes. opportunity and then this lovely lady that from church to give you a home for three months to just really ground yourself and get yourself in a better place. Yeah. It proves that there are some good people out there, thankfully.
1: Oh, when I told you I have a great support system, I used to blame everybody for every le- things that was happening in my life. And then some point <laughs> I was just like, you got to stop. And I was like, because you say, like I went through some hard stuff and I was saying to my friend, like sometimes what happens is that you make decisions that make you end up in these circumstances, right? I would not say that I was a victim of anything in here. Um, I just made mistakes, right? And I just lived the consequences of my my decisions and my mistakes. Mm. So um, it, it's it's okay. I'm not going to blame myself. I'm just very aware of how I need to kind of deal with, with certain things and make decisions from now on and and I've grown
0: since, luckily. You've grown substantially. You mentioned at the start of the podcast before we started recording, we've we've known each other for a couple of years now, I think, on and off. Yes. Through our On The Side community. And I, I've seen your growth over that time. And to see you now in a position where you are presenting brand strategy video content to Skillshare and, you know, taking on big client work, it's amazing to see that shift, you know, in transition.
1: Thank you. I didn't realize I had grown since then. You are telling me this and I'm happy to hear that.
0: No, I don't want to do this to make you gush at all. I just want to highlight, <laughs> you know, you've been through a really tough time, but you've finally getting somewhere that you're really happy to talk about this on the podcast as well. Yes. It's great. Yes. Um, right. So last question for you. Um, if you could give people one tip, who anyone really wants to make their own sort of course content, what would it be?
1: Do not underestimate the research part. Really forget perfectionism, right? Yep. Forget making it perfect. Don't expect to create something good right away. Just make sure you create that MVC, which is minimum viable products. Do the research, get feedback. Mm-hmm. Get feedback and really, really do not estimate the marketing.
0: That, that's the part that a lot of people forget
1: about. Yes. Mindset. Be personable, be yourself, make sure that you don't copy what other people do. I think it's very important because we're all unique, right? And if you have the opportunity to come and teach anything that you want to teach, just know that there are people out there that will want to learn it from you. Mm -hmm. And then the more time you spend overthinking and waiting, the more these people are just struggling because they don't get the help that they need from you
0: yeah lots of great nuggets of uh suggestions there and i like the fact you mentioned make it personable because everyone's done it their yeah. own way sometimes but people come for you when it's of course not just yeah. the output exactly great stuff shy um so how can people get hold of you and find out more about the stuff you're doing have you got any social handles you want to share or website addresses
1: um, yes, yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I'm working on my website right now, but I, um, I'm really easily, easily found on LinkedIn, Shari yep. Um And I'm going to start, uh, well, I'm taking a big leap now. I'm going to start uh, sharing stuff on Clubhouse. Oh, very nice. So, uh, yeah, LinkedIn and Clubhouse. I also have an Instagram, which is dsharimouyema. That will be my professional one. And uh, yeah. In my course on skillshare as well if people are interested
0: we'll get all the links into the show notes so people can find this easier um but it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you properly shari um we've been to do this for a while and i'm glad we finally got some time to do this
1: yeah i feel extremely excited that was a very very good questions that you asked there
0: (laughs) pushed you a little bit but out of your comfort zones and you delivered (laughs)
1: which I... <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you i'm glad
0: very good shari thank you again and um yeah we'll get all the details in the show notes so we'll join again soon hopefully
1: yes thank you Saina. i wish you guys a very good day bye-bye
0: thanks ever so much to shari for joining me in this week's episode of make life work such a pleasure to have her along and a fascinating story about her career progression and skillshare course i hope it inspires others to make their own course content if you want to reach out to Shari, you can tweet Shari Mahima on Twitter, follow her on LinkedIn and Instagram, and obviously remember to check out her Skillshare course. All the links will be in the show notes. As for the podcast, we obviously love to hear your thoughts. Get in touch on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as at Make Life Work Pod. You can email hello at makelifeworkpodcast.com or even visit the website makelifeworkpodcast.com for all the show notes and archives, and please remember to rate and review us in your favorite podcast app i'll be back next time with someone else from TechScene talking about their recent side projects on the make life work podcast